1: For me, just watching someone do it, it was um, the injury he had last week and um, for him to be ready to go today, which, I mean, it's still you could tell in, in um, pregame warm-ups, you know, a number of things that um, were really tough for him and for him to be able to just play, let alone to play the way he did uh, to protect the ball. Um, I knew he struggled to move a little bit at times, but there at the end for um, that third and one, for him to be able to run and move the chains there, I uh, got... Team got, they had a lot of respect for him before that game, but a lot more now. I mean, he's definitely the most um, poised rookie I've ever had. Um, you know, it's he's been like that since he's gotten here. Um, I, from what I hear about him in college, I think he was very similar. You know, just starting as a as a freshman, and I mean, he's been great. I mean, he was poised all week, um, even him being unsure of whether he'd be able to go or not. You know, I think that was uneasy for him because he didn't know what to expect till he got in the game. Um, under our circumstances, uh, uh, we didn't have any other options or choices. Um, we're going to see how long he could last, and we were ready to go with Josh. Um, but he just he got comfortable and got better as the game went, and uh, well, it was pretty unbelievable.
0: Hi, what's up, everybody? Uh, that was Kyle Shanahan. This is Brother From Another. Once again, I'm deep inside. The belly of the mothership. And remember yesterday, I was here yesterday, and you saw people walking by, and there was a lot of things going on, right? There was a lot of buzz. Today is quiet. Why is it quiet? Why is it quiet here? There was a party. There was a party last night, and some people are still in bed. But we're here, everybody behind the camera, everybody on the other side of the glass. They're here ready to go, ready to go and, and talk about some football and other stuff today. we got a lot of things on the table, including a special, a very special edition of My Bets, Your Money, when I I have a little, it's a little My Bets, Your Money. And and, and we're good with that. We're good. Uh, It's a little My Bets, but it's a little uh, My Bets, My Money. (laughs) I'll explain later in the show. But first, I really want to talk about uh, Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Shanahan was talking about Purdy, Brock Purdy, the rookie quarterback and how he, once again, helped them win the game and win the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers have 10 wins with their third quarterback. Their third quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, once again going out there, throwing a couple touchdown passes, no picks, efficient, doing exactly what a San Francisco quarterback is supposed to do. And I will make the case, I haven't heard a lot of people say this, why uh, I'll be the first. I'll make the case right now. We, you got your coach of the year. I'll talk about the 49ers in a second. But I want to I go to the coach, Kyle Shanahan. I haven't always uh, been on the Kyle Shanahan bandwagon. Sorry, Chris Sims. Uh, I haven't always been there, but I am now. Start the season with Trey Lance. That's a tough, tough, tough choice to go with the unproven Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo. So Lance is your guy at the beginning of the season. You lose Lance, out for the year. You get Jimmy Garoppolo in. Garoppolo gets hurt, probably out for the year, but not officially, probably. And you're down to Brock Purdy. And Purdy uh, gets the job done against Miami. Just didn't know he was going to play. Gets the job done against Miami. Gets the job done against the Buccaneers. And last night on the road in Seattle with the division on the line, he's making throws like this. Now, some of the throws, you know, give thanks to the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Give thanks to them. You know, some of the throws were, I mean, the defense was not great. So, uh, you know, these were not not high-level throws that Brock Purdy had to make. But... He did a good job in a hostile environment, what is always known as a hostile environment. Give him credit. Kyle Shanahan, third quarterback, coach of the year. I know. I know. I know Robert Mays is here, smart guy from The Athletic, so he can tell me where I'm wrong. Robert, I know. I know that you got uh, Kevin O'Connell, first-year coach in Minnesota, and they got 10 wins. I know Dan Campbell. He uh, started off 1-6, and, and he's got the Detroit Lions on the verge of an unprecedented 7-7. Seven and seven. <laughs> Okay, a little sarcasm, but I'm a Lions fan. Um, but I, I got I to say, just all the things, all the things that I mentioned, I got to give it to uh, Shanahan uh, and, and the 49ers. How about you?
2: I can understand that a couple of the guys I thought were up near the top for most of the season. I thought that Brian Dable and what he was doing with the Giants, them being even on the brink of being a playoff team with arguably the least talented roster in the league. He was my coach of the year halfway through. Obviously, they've fallen off a little bit. You can make an argument from Mike McDaniel and what he had built that offense into in Miami. And I still think they're going to be okay in the long run, but they've obviously taken a dip over the last couple of weeks. You're not going to hear any arguments from me about how great of a coach Kyle Shanahan is. I've long believed this. I think that every time he's had, a viable quarterback of any kind, whether it be Jimmy Garoppolo or someone else, his offenses have been unbelievable. He turned Matt Ryan into the MVP. If you look at Matt Schaub's numbers in his two years with Kyle Shanahan, when they were in Houston together, I think it was 0809 when Kyle was the coordinator. It was the best years of Schaub's career. He was playing at a Pro Bowl, kind of borderline all pro level. And then in San Francisco, you know, Nick Mullins was an above average starter for the 49ers during his Nick time Mullins. there. It's unbelievable. You look at the numbers and, I mean, it's not – they don't blow you away, but his numbers in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan were that of an average NFL starter. He's barely been able to hang on to rosters since he left there. So what Kyle Shanahan's able to build his offense into, I think he's in the argument every single year to be the best offensive coach in the league. The only thing I would say that would ding him is that I think the Niners' Super Bowl chances? I think the reason that their record looks what it looks like, what it looks like, is their defense. So, how much credit do you give Kyle Shanahan for hiring D'Amico Ryan's for kind of creating this culture of defense as an a offense-first head coach? I give him if credit it, for that. Yes, yeah, if sure. you do, then yeah. that I, I have no problem with it whatsoever because that defense, to me, that's why even with Brock Purdy at quarterback, they still can actually win a Super Bowl.
0: All right, so he said, I'm not going to read way too much into what he said about the most poised rookie he's ever had at quarterback because, we know, uh, he's had, he had Kirk Cousins and RG3 uh, together, same rookie class, as rookies. Got it. All right, fine. But he also had Trey Lance as a rookie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know what he's trying to say. Uh, should you read into that or not? Or is, is this just a compliment of, hey, Brock Purdy in the moment, and you don't have to worry about trey lance trey lance is still their franchise guy no matter what happens this year or is this a conversation robert that we should start thinking about
2: i think he's just trying to gas this guy up a little bit and make him feel better about how he's played and also what he did last night and part of that comment and part of that praise is rooted in him walking into that game hurt they didn't even know if he was going to be able to play last night and for him to play and play fairly well i think says a lot about brock purdy you know trey lance was the starter for two games as a rookie and I wouldn't read too much into it and it's been a long time since he coached RG3 and I think that was a unique situation in Washington when it comes to how Kyle felt about those quarterbacks how he deployed those quarterbacks so I think it's more a case of him just being really impressed with Brock Purdy has done rather than him trying to slight his other guys in any way
0: all right not sliding the guys how about just where we stand now with the 49ers I mean they have Jimmy uh, not because they wanted him initially. You know, they were looking. Hey, it was going to be Trey Lance, and Jimmy had has to get out of there. I think they were waiting for their time, and then Lance gets hurt. Hey, Jimmy's here, so we we love you again. But I, I'm I'm looking at uh, so between these three quarterbacks, you got Jimmy, uh, you got Trey, and you got Brock. Is it a like if you had to call it? Is is this a a real quarterback controversy? Is it a conversation? About who's the quarterback for the 49ers going forward, or do you just sit back and sleep easily and say, "Hey, 2023, uh, this is going to be Trey Lance's job
2: again"? I think it's still going to be Trey Lance's job again, and I think that having no matter Bob what happens, yeah, I-, I can't imagine anything changing Ooh, that. What if it- they win the they- Super Bowl? I think that what you put into Brock, what you put into Trey Lance, everything you traded for Trey Lance, I I still think you're obligated to see the Trey Lance thing through. And there is a reason that they made that trade for Trey Lance, because I know when this perfect quarterback machine that Kyle Shanahan has built. You can have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo be one of the most efficient passers in the league. You can have a guy like Brock Purdy look like an above-average quarterback. The whole point of making that deal for Trey Lance is so you no longer have to rely on that quarterback machine. You have a quarterback who can step outside of that and be great even if the other elements of it start to break down a little bit. That's still true. What Trey Lance can do outside of structure, what Trey Lance's physical ability theoretically allows him to do, I still think shooting for that long term is worthwhile for the Niners. But now you have this guy in Brock Purdy who is in contract for three more years. If Trey Lance gets dinged up, you have a guy now that you can really rely on as your backup. And there aren't that many teams in the NFL that can reasonably say that week in and week out.
0: Well, Robert, see, I'm a dreamer. Uh, I'm a Pisces, (laughs) okay? I'm a dreamer, so uh, let's just just, just play this out. You mean to tell me, Brock Purdy, uh, quarterbacks, the 49ers, not because of him. As you said, defense is dominant. It's tremendous, really uh, a lot of fun to watch. Quarterbacks them to the NFC Championship game. They win it in Philadelphia. Then they get to the Super Bowl in Arizona. Brock Purdy, three touchdowns, no picks. Hey, your Super Bowl MVP is Brock Purdy. And then the next year, he just kind of goes back to holding a clipboard and, you know, encouraging Trey when he walks off the field. Like, really? Or, or, I think if or they flip him. I mean, there's no, it, something's got to happen. He's got to start there or somewhere else, Don't I mean, doesn't he?
2: You've got to take the long-term view of this. D'Amico Ryan's Mar- Ryan's probably not going to be their defensive coordinator next year. You know, they're going to have to pay Nick Bosa this offseason all of these circumstances change you're never going to have the same team with the exact same set of circumstances moving forward I don't think the defense is going to be as good next year I don't think they're going to be able to maintain all these weapons when all these guys have to start getting paid you know Brandon Ayuk has two years left on his rookie contract are they going to be able to pay Brandon Ayuk after they've paid Debo Samuel paid George Kittle have Christian McCaffrey what he costs understanding that it's not going to be as good roster talent-wise, yeah. circumstances-wise moving forward as it is now, and that's why you have to bet on the quarterback who's more talented. Saying, well, Brock Purdy did it this year. He can do it again. That's where I think it gets a little bit dicey, and you have to really take a step back and say, all right, realistically, who is going to give us our best shot next year, two years from now, three years from now? And with the guys they currently have on the roster, I think that's why they still have to bet on Trey Lance.
0: It's, it's a great point. It's a great point, really. we talk about, it's not always going to look like this because right now San Francisco has everything. It's still a salary cap league. And I know some people take issue with that. Oh, you can play games with the cap, but you have McCaffrey and you got Ayuk, As you said, Debo Samuel, a lot of guys, a lot of stars. And we didn't even mention some of the guys on defense who want to get paid too. So you got a lot of uh, – They're going to have
2: to lose some of those guys. Yeah. I mean, Dre Greenlaw is probably not going to be in 49er sure. forever because if you're paying Fred Warner what you're paying him, it's hard to pay a guy like Dre Greenlaw that. It's it's a good problem to have, but eventually yes. the financial reality set it. All
0: right, listen, it, it, here, here's the last question I have for you, and I'm just going to tell you I want a guy like you by my side. I do because you you are you are a good teammate. You are a good coworker. <laughs> Because I have tried to move you off that quarterback spot. I've tried to get you to go to to the nice short-term option right here. It's right here in front of you, Brock Purdy. And no, you're taking the long view. And I wish uh, that we were together uh, running the New York Jets. Because the New York Jets (laughs) have done the opposite. Robert, the number two pick in the draft last year. Okay, just last year. Uh, Number, Zach Wilson, number two in the entire draft. You didn't expect to win 12 games this year. He helped you. You made some progress. They didn't look, they're not looking at it as, hey, growing pains, or he made some mistakes, or he has some uh, immaturity issues. They gave up on him uh, a couple of weeks ago, inactive, and now uh, going into a big game uh, against Detroit. He's the number two quarterback to somebody called Mike White. <laughs> okay? So, what's going on? Do you agree with what the Jets are doing? I don't. I, I think they have really botched the situation. How about you?
2: A couple different considerations with Zach Wilson compared to Trey Lance. Trey Lance has really started two and a half, three games in the NFL. He two starts last year in relief. His first start this year was in a monsoon in Chicago, and then he got hurt in his fourth start. We haven't really seen Trey Lance. We've seen Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's played 20 games in the NFL. He started 20 games in the NFL, and he's been the worst quarterback in football over that stretch. If Only you look at season. it statistically that's
0: one season though, that's one season. totally understand.
2: I, it's it, it is a small sample and young guys. We shouldn't expect them to be great right away. Look what's happening with Trevor Lawrence right now. Look what's happening with Jalen hurts right now. It, it, having a little bit of patience with those guys is important, but I also think that based on reading the tea leaves, and looking from the outside. end, This is about more than on field performance. This is about the way he's handled this situation. Some of those uh, comments after the game against, I think it was New England. Oh yeah. He's like, you know what? Yeah. And when asking him if he let the defense down and him essentially saying, nah, I don't think so. And he threw for 77 yards in that game.
0: He threw for 77 yards.
2: I mean, they needed a crazy. I mean, it's the, the fact that a crazy punt return can win that game for the Patriots. The Jets are building something there. If you look at the way their defense plays, if you look at the young players they have on offense, I think this is a culture move as much as it's a quarterback move Mm. and they see him every single day in practice. They know what he looks like every single day. I don't mind them pulling the plug on this. If one, they just don't think he has it in terms of his skill set, the way he plays the position at the NFL level, which I could argue that he doesn't. And when you watched him play at BYU. Their offensive line at BYU was like a, it was a brick wall. It was incredible to watch them play against that talent. Brady Christensen, their left tackle, was a starter for the Carolina Panthers right now. They were better than who they played against week in and week out. Mm. He very rarely had to navigate pressure, understand how to play in muddy pockets, and that is what he has struggled with immensely in the NFL. And I do think there's an element of that feel for the game and that feel for traffic in the pocket that you either have or you don't. And it really doesn't seem like Zach Wilson has that element to his game. So if they're combining that factor with the personality factor and really trying to get everyone moving in the same direction in that building, I can understand saying, you know what? He's just not the guy we need right now. And we're willing to pull the plug on this and take our chances in the veteran quarterback market this year because we think we have a roster that's ready to win right now, and he is not the guy who's going to get us there.
0: Yeah, I would just feel so uncomfortable with that. Uh, and, and I don't mind being wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I don't, I don't mind saying it. But I would just be so uncomfortable after 20, as you said, 20 starts of making that decision. And I, know, I know, uh, you know some of the personality issues are there. But I look at the payoff. I look at the quarterback class, and not even the class. I'll say that the, the top five quarterbacks – Uh, Robert of the 2021 draft. So you have uh, Mac Jones was the fifth quarterback. Uh, You got Trey Lance. You still don't know what you have in Trey Lance. Trevor Lawrence is starting to flash now. But even though he's had some games this year, not personality-wise, but he's had some games, like uh, that Philadelphia game. Hey, Trevor, hold on to the ball. What are you doing? He's all over the place. Um, uh, You look at at Justin Fields. He's starting to show some things right now. I mean, some of these guys – it, it takes, and then Zach Wilson, it takes some time. It really takes some time. I'd just be, you're, you're going to miss the payoff when it happens. I think that payoff is going to happen somewhere else. I do. I do think it's going to happen uh, for Zach Wilson, but it sounds like you don't think it's there.
2: The example I think back to is Josh Allen. Josh Allen's first couple years in the league were rough. His rookie year in 2018 was a terrible statistical season. He was fine in 2019. He made strides in specific areas, but there were still elements of his game that were really lacking. I went to Buffalo that year in 2019 to write about the improvements he was making and the strides that he had made on offense. What struck me when I was there wasn't any talk about the mechanics of how he played the position. It was that every single guy in that building would have walked over glass for Josh Allen. And I think that's important when you're considering why certain quarterbacks develop and why other quarterbacks don't, is that when you have these guys that are smart and bought in and willing to do everything they can to get better, to get where they need to go, that influences the guys around them. The guys around them attach themselves to that. That's how people feel about Jalen Hurts. That's how people feel about Justin Fields in Chicago. That's how people feel about Trevor Lawrence and everything that's come out of that building in Jacksonville and how he carries himself. We haven't heard a single word about that with Zach Wilson. Mm. You haven't heard a single guy in that locker room talk about him that way. And I think there's a reason for that. And it's so easy to point to a couple down statistical years for a young quarterback and say, why can't Zach Wilson do this? Josh Allen isn't Josh Allen because he was bad and had some physical tools and then wasn't anymore. Josh Allen is Josh Allen because he's so much smarter than everyone thinks he is. And his desire to get himself to the level we see right now, was unceasing. And I think those are the elements that the Jets probably know more about than we do, and that's why I'm not as uncomfortable with them making a bet like this. I like the way you say that. I like unceasing, (laughs) that unceasing
0: desire uh, to get better. Robert Mays, we always get better when you're on. We get smarter. Appreciate you, my friend. If we don't talk to you before, happy holidays to you and yours. We'll catch up with you soon. Appreciate it. Talk soon. All right, Robert, thanks. Thanks.
3: backlash from Philly? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to stand on everything you say just as a man. Um, but obviously, they small-clipped it and just took one line of what uh, was really talked about. But um, no pun intended or no disrespect to Hurts. I think he's doing great this year. Um, but you know me, I mean, I'm a defensive guy and, you know, I said he was is just a team to watch. I mean, I mean, they just got hell of a players over there that's been making plays all year. So from a defensive aspect, you know, I know how uh, offensive guys just kind of get all the credit. So I just want to stick up for the defensive guys. Because the conversation was most valuable player, is it just quarterback? So I was just, you know, having good conversations with Vaughn, a person I look up to, um, helped him on his podcast. And next thing you know, so, <laughs> um, you see how that goes, and, <laughs> and we're, <laughs> Yeah, we're just talking football, I mean, not ones that ever disrespect Hurts or any other player in any way, um, I'm just talking football, like, if football is a, a hurtful conversation, then what are we playing for? I think the job's more hurtful than conversation, like, right. you know, so, uh, you know, if we can't have opinions, I mean, you guys get to talk shit all day, why can't we just <laughs> talk a little chatter, you know, so, uh, I don't understand... Uh, we're so hurtful when we talk about each other. You know, we're the players. We play every day.
0: Yeah, Micah Parsons snapping <laughs> off the lines, Burt Breer, line after line. I kind of agree with him, though. Right, I, it was great. I mean, like, like,
5: <laughs> it's like, like why, why shouldn't they just be allowed to talk shop? You know what I mean? It's actually it's their
0: shop. Like You know right. what I mean? Like, Talking shop, and should... it's our shop. Right. Yeah, why, why shouldn't they be allowed to talk shop? And you know what? But it's, it's funny because it, it, it lets you know. I always want to know. I know you do too. I always want to know how players see players, like any industry. I want to see how, music, yeah. what, what, what do musicians think of other musicians and, and what do journalists right. think of other journalists? You don't want to have that conversation. Oh, so much, <laughs> yeah. so much pettiness. This is such a petty industry. Anyway.
5: Yeah, you don't want to know the truth about what some people think of you, for sure. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It's what they say to
0: you, and then when you leave the room, what do they say once you, you leave the room? Yeah. Um, but, but Micah Parsons, do you think this has any effect at all uh, on the next two games for the Cowboys, I say that intentionally because they have the Jaguars. On, mm-hmm. uh, they have the Jaguars before they play uh, Philadelphia on Christmas Eve. Will this have uh, any effect on either game?
5: No, I mean, I, look. Like, well, for, for one thing, obviously, you know the Cowboys need every game they can get to 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 get themselves in position to try and win that division. Obviously, their margin for error is very slim right now because they're they're down two games with four games to go. Um, and as for the game on Christmas Eve, I mean, it's one of those situations, Michael. Like, I mean, we I know, like, because we build these things up, um, you know, because we have so much time to talk about every football game, uh, you know, like, we'll always say, like, oh, I can't believe he said this, but I sort of feel like that's the proverbial You know if you need something to get you up for that game well then you know there's probably some more things wrong with you you know because that's that's a gigantic game it's a rivalry game you know both teams are going to be in the playoffs and um you know obviously you know there's a a lot of crossover guys who know each other on each side so um it's fun to talk about and i'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot more next week too when the two teams are actually playing uh, but I can't imagine, um I can't imagine that it's gonna have any effect in the game. And oh by the way, like when we're talking about Jalen Hurts for MVP, that's a conversation we're all naturally gonna be having. You know what right. I mean? Like so much of it, like when you talk about it, like one of the reasons why Patrick Mahomes is gonna be back up for MVP again this year is because there were changes around him. You know? Patrick Mahomes is still the great player, he always was. Why would he be MVP this year over, say, last year or the year before? Well, it's because he lost Tyree Kill. You know what I mean? Like it's right. because he lost Tyree Kill, and he had to break in Valdez Scantling, and he had to break in Smith Schuster and Sky Moore, and um, you know. So like you know, I one reason why when I did my my and this is an executives poll I did, um, you know, at mid season, the the reason overwhelmingly they all voted for Mahomes. So many of them voted for Mahomes was because <laughs> of the environment around him, and because you yeah. know the he needed to be a little bit better to maintain the level that he's maintained over the first five, six years of his career. And I think that's the, I mean, the conversation, I think, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the conversation I think Micah Parsons was trying to have there is the conversation we're all going to have about Jalen Hurts, which is how much of it is Jalen Hurts and how much of it is a really good environment around him.
0: Yeah, and I think even, even Patrick Mahomes, so by that logic, and I understand what the executives are saying or what people are saying, even with Patrick Mahomes, the environment is still great. I mean, you got Andy Reid. I mean, you got <laughs> Andy Reid and Eric Bianami. and no. you have a a culture. When they win, win, not if. Uh, when they win the AFC West, Bert, that's going to be their seventh straight uh, AFC yeah. West title. Uh, they never lose to the Broncos. I don't think they yep. they're never gonna lose to the Broncos again. I mean is they got fourteen in a row. I think well, they are like, something ridiculous. Come on. Yeah. There's an expectation, there's a culture there that is excellent, and Patrick Mahomes is amazing, transcendent. We got it. Yep. But even those well, guys, even those superstars are are supported by great infrastructure.
5: I mean, look at it, like, you know, and, and I'm not saying these guys wouldn't have made it otherwise, but Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Matt Nagy as a rookie, then Eric Bieniemy. after that, throwing to Tyreek Hill, they signed Sammy Watkins. He had veteran tackles when he got there, and Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. He had, at the time, Kareem Hunt behind him at running back, Josh Allen in Buffalo, same offensive coordinator the first four years of his career, and Brian Dayball, who's done a nice job with the Giants in his first year as a head coach, Sean McDermott as the head coach. Brandon Bean is the general manager. Stephon Diggs comes in in his second year. Um, He had the same left tackle the whole time in Deion Dawkins. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, goes to a place where Greg Romans, the offensive coordinator, has background in the perfect offense for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has an elite left tackle in front of him in Ronnie Stanley, um, at least through the early parts of his career. And, again, it's not saying these guys wouldn't be successful otherwise – But, you know, when you want to look at the great quarterbacks in the league, there's generally great stability around them. And I guess we can have a chicken and egg argument there. But, you know, there's no question that, you know, these guys are almost uniformly in great environments. You know, I mean, you can, you know, we can can say the same thing about Brady and Manning when they came into the league, right? Like. Brady had a Hall of Fame coach. Manning Both of them had a did. Hall of yeah, Fame right, GM. look at that. <laughs> You know I, what I mean? And, like, but Hall
0: of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame GM, and eventually a Hall of Fame coach. Right. So, I, mean, like, I mean, it wasn't and, right away,
5: but but, yeah. that, but that Hall of Fame, but but that Hall of Fame GM, Michael, was putting Hall of Fame players around him. Like if you Marvin right. Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark. I mean, I, I, you know Dwight Franey on the other side of the ball. Like it's crazy. I, if you look at like Bill Polian's. Like first-round picks, like the three or four years after Peyton Manning got there, it's like three or four Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? Like Edger and James, another one. You know, like so. It, it like, I, there's a there's a great chicken and egg argument to be had there because you almost never find a great quarterback who overcame like like really bad circumstances.
0: Uh, now here's a you mentioned Buffalo. Uh, this is a, a Buffalo a, adjacent story. No, it's really a Buffalo story <laughs> because yeah. uh, I want to talk about Miami, but Buffalo, they're going to Buffalo and they're going to play the forecast. Looks like it's going to be under 30 degrees. I, I, I said, this is a typical Buffalo Saturday, under 30 degrees, three to seven inches of snow. Hey, this is what we do in Buffalo, but it's not what mm-hmm. Miami does in Buffalo. And so uh, I, I want you to listen to uh, Mike McDaniel talk about, going to Buffalo and checking the forecast and all that stuff. Listen to this.
1: The biggest thing is, like, yeah, you you do adjust um, a hair, you know, we won't be outside and, um, you know, you do it. But you don't really prepare for it um, besides mentally deciding if it's going to matter to you or not. Um, I kind of look at it like this. uh, Do the Buffalo Bills players vacation in Buffalo. I mean, people, so yeah, you get used to it, but you don't, it's a mindset as well. So um, to me, uh, you you just decide if you're gonna let it factor in or not, um, and then you adjust as best you can.
0: All right, so Bert, I just wanna say this, man, look, I've always lived in cold weather cities, grew up in Ohio, uh, worked mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, worked in Chicago for a second. Uh, live in Boston, so always cold weather cities, and there are little yep. like conversational hints. I could tell the people who actually get out there with the shovel themselves, or a snowplow themselves, or have somebody do it for them. I think Mike McDaniel has somebody do it for him, okay? we are like, what the hell are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? Oh, it's a mindset. No, it's not a mindset. When you're out there shoveling snow for 20, 25 minutes and it's coming down, there ain't no mindset and mind over. No, it's real snow and it's real wind <laughs> and it's cold. It is uncomfortable. What are you talking about? He doesn't know. I, I'm like Later, Bert. And my bet your money. I'm thinking about picking Miami just with the with the points. Yeah, that's foolish. I, I think they may not score. <laughs> I may not. <laughs> like, they may I, not score I based think, on those comments. You know what I think is interesting too. Like,
5: I, by the way, I'm an in-between guy. We have someone come plow our driveway, but I do shovel the walkway. Exactly, so I guess I'm right. in between. <laughs> yeah,
0: in between. In between. Okay, right. You've been out there. You know what yeah. it's like, at least.
5: Yeah, you know I. I think like when you hear somebody talk, when you hear a team talk about it so much, it's already in their head, right? Like when you hear like that much talk about it, the conversation goes all week. It's sort of, I, I feel like it's sort of already in their head. And it was funny cause I, I think it was one of Levitard's guys like said, there was a clip floating around the internet that like all, um, that Buffalo should be required to have a roof on their stadium. Oh, It's like, hang on a second. I'm oh, like, oh, hang God. on a second. Like, doesn't Miami force teams in September, like road teams, to stand on the sideline where the sun is shining? Right. Absolutely. And don't they wear white in Miami to force the other team into dark colors in September? Is that right?
0: That's right. That's so, right. So it's a home field. It's a home field advantage. It's so an you're advantage leveraging for Miami. Your
5: advantage, but now that it doesn't work for you, right. It's not cool anymore. And, I, and, like so, and, yeah. I mean, so, so no, but I, I, I honestly believe this. Like, I, I think so much of it is like, you can almost tell the way that people talk about it. Right. And like, it does sound to me to some degree, like the Miami people have been talking themselves into this, not trying to talk themselves into this, not mattering much, rather than just saying, you know, the the, the conditions are what they are and we're going to go up there and we're going to deal with them. And that's it. You know, how much have you heard about the Buffalo people talking about the conditions?
0: Yeah, not None? much. And, and, <laughs> right. and, and Bert, here's the other thing what they did. I, yeah. And I don't know if this is a joke, but this is almost comical. I, 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 ho- I hope they did this just to make people laugh. They turned on the AC in Miami, they turned on the AC so it could be cold. I, okay, in the bubble? Yeah, In the bubble. All right, this yeah. this is what I know. This is what I know about AC. When it gets really cold, you know what you can do? You can turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Come on, man! You turn the AC on. You turn the AC on. Doesn't okay. Belichick
5: doesn't Belichick turn the heat on though when they go to Miami? Yeah. Is that
0: right? But then he got then he then he figured it out. Hey, you know that doesn't replicate it. They went to Miami and stayed for a week, and it still right. didn't. It didn't make a difference. They still. Only scored a touchdown. Uh, uh, we're still Miami, waiting for the first Southern
5: team to do that in reverse, right? To go up and spend the week in, in Buffalo or oh, Cleveland. Oh yeah, the players.
0: Just... You know, see the players, are, the players. always tell the coaches. The hey, players coach, are okay with going to Miami. Hey in coach, September. I, think gotta so cool Miami. To... <laughs> I think we got to go to Miami. I think we got to go to Miami. I'm just thinking about the best interest of the team. You know, you have somebody in Miami. Hey coach, we need to go to Buffalo. You need to spend some time in Buffalo. Really get the culture. You know, understand. Anyway, hey, Bert,
5: I think we need to acclimate to northern Wisconsin, so let's go stay in Appleton this week. We can go work, at the high, work out at the high school up there.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, Bert, I was going to let you go, but just one thing I want you to respond to. Uh, uh, Adam Schefter mm. just tweeted this out. Guess who's going to start for the New York Jets against the Lions? Guess who your starting quarterback is for the New York Jets? It's not Joe Flacco. It's not Mike White. It is. Zach Wilson. Zach
3: Wilson.
0: So yep. how, how do you – because I, I, I was talking to Robert Mays earlier, and he said, hey, I understand why the Jets did what they did uh, with Zach Wilson. They're trying to set a culture there, establish a culture. I think they screwed it up. What do you expect uh, from, from Zach Wilson at, at th- in this game going forward, especially if he plays well? well. So, I mean, like, I,
5: I think we have to look at it this way. Like, his future in New York is on the line now, right? Like, and I think that that um, – when you invest the second overall pick, the reality is like you, you, you have to get an answer on that investment and you have to figure out whether or not you were right on that investment because it's going to affect big picture decisions down the line. And I think, you know, Robert Sala's has done a nice job of walking a tightrope here where it's about one player, but it isn't. And I think he recognizes that they have to gather as much information as they possibly can to make an informed decision on Zach Wilson. But, oh, 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 by the way, they're in a playoff race right now, and they've got a defense that's playoff ready. And there are a lot of elements on that offense that are playoff ready. And, you know, I, I think there was a point there where I think it probably became hard for Robert Sala to sell Zach Wilson to the locker room. And then Wilson said what he said after that Patriot game. Mm. And then I think it became really, really hard to sell Wilson to that locker room. So this tells me he's probably had a couple of nice weeks of practice and, and, and Rob feels like he can sell Zach to that locker room again. And, you know, it's important for the franchise to Michael. And I think if this was ever, if this, I think it was, if this ever got close again, where they felt like, okay, like we can put Zach back in there. They were going to do it mm. because they really do need to get answers. Because again, like, that team is very young and they're only going to get better, I think, next year, right? Like, there's so many elements that team. If you look at the Garrett Wilson's, the Sauce Gardeners, the Oliveira Tuckers, you'll be bringing Brees Hall back, Quentin Williams. Those guys should all get better, right? How are you going to serve next year's team without having a full answer on Zach Wilson? Mm. So, I think over the next month, Part of the deal, and they won't say this, but part of the deal is getting an answer on Zach Wilson. Can we trust Zach Wilson? Can the locker room trust Zach Wilson to take what we think is going to be a real contender in 2023 and make it his team? Or do we have to go out and get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who, oh, by the way, was with all of the Jets coaches in San Francisco? So I think that that's what's interesting about this. Over the next month... Zach Wilson's fighting for his future in New York, and part of it is the availability of a quarterback who's played at a championship level that
0: all the coaches have background with. Hey, fascinating stuff. Uh, Burt Breer, you play at a championship level every time you come on the show, and you are around champions. And we'll talk about that in 2023 because there will be a championship parade in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, you didn't think? Wow. Oh, you thought we weren't going to talk about it? We always talk (laughs) about this. We're on the show together. I don't know if Not I believe that. It sounded good.
5: I don't know if I believe it. i switching to number one for the playoffs. I'm going to send you a text <laughs> with a picture, Michael.
0: All right. I don't know if I believe what I just said. I just thought it was a good thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's about that time. My bets, your money. You know I'm passionate about putting some extra money in your pocket, especially around the holidays. Look at that week last week, 4-1. and one. I do my best work in December and January, if I could say so myself. And, and you know what? It wasn't just my bets, your money. Last night, I put my bets. I put my bets up there and put a little, put a little cash on it. And this one, I won, took the under. Niners, Seahawks took the under. 120 bucks. Okay, okay. But it's not about the money. It's about the experience. Anyway, I like these games this week. Even though I'm really nervous about uh, Mike McDaniels, uh, goodness, I'll go with the Dolphins getting seven at Buffalo. Don't feel great about that one. So don't bet the mortgage on that one. But Bengals at Bucks. come on, go with the Bengals. The Bucks are trash. Titans at Chargers, don't give up on the Titans. Remember the Titans. I I like them. Against the L.A. Chargers. Ravens and Browns. Come on. Go with the Ravens. And Commanders versus the Giants. Support G-Men. The G-Men. They're sinking. It's a good season, though, overall. Nobody expected to be in this position. But go with the Commanders. My bet's your money. I'm feeling pretty good. I think it's another 4-1. Because I'm just going to take that loss right now to Miami. I'm going to take that loss. The guy doesn't know anything about snow. Sound crazy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show, brother from another. And we talked about Steph Curry a little bit yesterday. We weren't sure when we were on the air, we weren't sure you know, how long he was going to be out, if he was going to be out at all, waiting for an MRI. Well, the MRI came in and the news is not good for the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, their best player, my best player in the NBA. We'll talk about that in a second. My best player in the NBA is out for a month. Now, I'm joined by Natalie. Natalie was here yesterday. She was sitting right there. Now she's (laughs) on the screen. You know, Natalie, I I saw you at the party. We had a great time at the NBC party last night. You're awake. I'm awake. A lot of other people aren't. I'm so excited. I got to tell you this story real quick before we talk about Steph Curry. So excited. Got up this morning, got a workout in and to celebrate my workout because, you know, I I burned 34 calories to to celebrate the 34 calories I burned. I had sweet potato pie for breakfast from Gary Carter. And that pie is insanity. It's insanity. I have
4: have Mm. not eaten my slice yet. And Gary was bugging me about it already. I will not eat pie for breakfast, so I will have some, and then okay. I will let. I don't
0: know why you're being so inflexible about it. Why are you being feelings. so inflexible about it? Okay, you got to eat pie for breakfast.
4: You have to. No, you have to. No. it change your my life. My mom did not raise me to eat pie for breakfast.
0: <laughs> oh, now, now you, oh, now you're going in on Marilyn Holly. Oh, Marilyn, don't take it personally. All right, anyway, let's talk about Steph, because uh, mm-hmm. I, I really have a question, Natalie, and I, I, you're the perfect person to answer this. Yeah. Who are the Golden State Warriors? without Steph Curry. That, that, was my, that was my first question that came up with this. Like, who does this team become? Steph is their everything. He is, the, he is the star. And not many players can be the star player and the glue guy. He's both. So who do they become when he's out for a month?
4: Yeah, they have to become a less arrogant team. I'll mm. tell you that. Um, arrogant? What? No, what? Ooh, ooh, ooh.
0: you got my attention already. What do you, what do you mean by that? What's, who, who's arrogant?
4: The whole organization, from top to bottom, the the, the ownership, the coach, mm-hmm. and even the players, to an extent, right? I mean, when you have Draymond Green go on podcast and say like it's hard for me to get up for like games that aren't you know certain games. I mean, and we I get it. Like they've been there, done that, won so much long season, so you understand that. But there is an arrogance to approaching the season when you just feel like it's early in the season. So you can just continue to rest guys so early and like, we're going to focus on development, even though we're losing games. And I, I agree that guys need to be developed, but your expectations are another championship. You're coming off of a championship year. So development cannot be at the expense of winning. And that's sort of what they did at the beginning of the season. And I think it's kind of like, well, we have plenty of time. It's a long season, And now Steph is hurt, right? And so, and not only him, Andrew Wiggins is hurt, who is their second best player. So, um, and he hasn't been cleared to return. So when you approach the game with that sort of arrogance, like now you're in a very difficult situation.
0: All right. So uh, I'm, you know what? Next week, I'm already thinking about next week's shows. (laughs) We got, we got, we got to park there. Uh, We're going to park there. We'll keep the car running. We're going to park there and we're going to really get into some deep conversations about this arrogance. Now, you mentioned ownership. You mentioned the coaching staff. You mentioned the players. All right, we, we, got to talk. we don't have time. We don't have time right now to talk Sorry. about all that. But that's some good stuff right there. This is what I do want to mention. And I want to have this conversation with you. Top 10 players uh, in the NBA. Now, the Ringer came out with a list of uh, their the top 100 players in the league. And and I, I like it, you know. Kevin O'Connor, who did it, uh, I love Kevin. Uh, I've known him for a while. Does really good a uh, really good job. I don't agree with his uh, top ten list entirely, but I thought, you know, Natalie, we we we, we like basketball. We love basketball. Yeah, Let's come up with our own list. So <laughs> let's uh, let's see our list here. Top ten players in the league. Uh, we see it the same way. Ooh. <laughs> Oh yeah, we do. I mean, like we both have. Let's go ten. I I yeah. I, I put. I have to admit. Can I admit something to you? Go ahead. You know that ten. I always feel like the top ten list. Top ten list is fluid, all the time. We'll have a different top ten list in February, and then a different one uh, when the playoffs start. So at number ten, I feel like that's a slot that's very flexible. I yes, put in I Devin. Agree. I put Devin Booker in there, just to annoy you. <laughs> Because I know you can't stand the Suns. I I said, let me put put Devin Booker in so I can get uh, Natalie to pop off. Now, Natalie, I'm surprised you put Anthony Davis. You got Dame Lillard at 10. I I like that. Mm -hmm. You've got Anthony Davis at eight. And I know Davis has been playing great this season. I don't think, I don't believe it yet that's fair you know what i mean
4: i mean i am of the mindset and i always have been i said earlier in the year on this show when we talked about top 10 players and you you guys kind of chuckled at me a little bit um but i said if anthony davis and that's always the big if with him if he can remain healthy and all of that he's always going to be a top 10 player you know in my opinion so um it's always just about his health and so far this season i think it's Undeniable that he's been having a top ten season, but it's also fair to say, well, I gotta watch him do it for the rest of the season. I think that's fair, so you I'm know not what? upset at that. Not believing it,
0: I think. Uh, I don't think we have a like. Micah Parsons said, I think they hate me in Philly. I think they may hate us in Philly. Uh, we we both have uh, been. A borderline disrespectful, lightweight, disrespectful with with Joel Embiid. Oh, you you don't think so? Joel Embiid. No, I got him at not. eight. You got him at seven.
4: Why? I get it. I get that he has been an MVP runner up and I thought he should have actually won. Um, last year. So Mm. I understand where people would say, like, how can he be in the conversations for MVP and only be, you know, the seventh best player or not top five or wherever you want to put him. But to me, I look at your status as a player based on your play and also a combination of what you've done, right? And Joel Embiid has yet to make it out of the second round. He's yet to get beyond that. And you can tell me all the reasons in the world but I want to go back to the year when Ben Simmons gets blamed for, you know, not taking that shot at the rim, and then he leaves the team. And, like, that allowed Joel Embiid to get away with not people actually talking about his play down the stretch. And I know he was a little hurt, but he played all well during the game, and then in the fourth quarter, he didn't show up, and then Mm. I heard the injury stuff, right? Like, the injury is not why you were missing free throws. It's not why you were missing shots that you were making all throughout the game. He didn't close. I still think that Team should have at a minimum got to the conference finals, and so mm. I, I others have done it. They've gotten there. They've showed me, and that is the simple reason why I put them ahead of Embiid. But he has all of that talent. He just has to do it. So I, I like think it. I being top seven isn't a disrespect.
0: No, 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 no. And the top ten is not disrespectful. And I know uh, you all will have comments on this. We welcome your <laughs> comments, and that is a segue. Throw it up, Aliou, to Natalie. We are always here for these comments. What is in the comments section today, Natalie? I, it is always some good stuff that uh, is instructive for all of us. So, what do we got?
4: Yeah, well, a few things. But like, let's start with the Lions conversation earlier this week that you guys had on Monday. The the comments, people just love that segment, and they and and they felt just really happy about the love. That, the, that you and Mike and, and, and Charles were showing to Detroit in terms of the team, but also understanding the significance of what it means to the city and how long it's been for them. And so there was just a lot of pride in the comments. And I thought, that we should reflect that. Cause like Detroit is one of those cities, you know, there's a lot of pride in being from Detroit. And like, so this, this represents something bigger, you know, to the city. And I think you guys captured that in the segment. You know, there's someone who noted, like he's actually just new to, I shouldn't say he, I don't know actually if it's a he or a she, but um, he's new to the show or the person is new to the show and they love it and just love the way that we covered this. So um, great job. Oh,
0: oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I have so much love for Detroit. I love that city. One of the great cities in America. It is. And a lot of people, you know, talk about it without being there. If you if you've ever been to Detroit, you understand the history, you understand the significance uh, that Detroit has uh, not only to the Midwest, but to the United States. Anyway, what else? What else we got uh, in our comments?
4: Yeah. Um. Very quickly, because there's one, there's two sets of comments I want to get to. One is the Brock Purdy discussion you guys also had on Monday. Um. Overwhelmingly, I was a little surprised, but a a large faction of the audience they really agreed with Michael Smith. Uh They thought like he is showing those signs and thought that you know there's a little hateration going on from you and Charles. So, but it's interesting. (laughs) Always. because that was kind of the reaction in the comments on YouTube. But Twitter and Instagram were a little bit like, oh, hold your horses or a little bit more on you guys' side or just like they need to see more. So they were like, come on, it's been two, two games, dude. So it's interesting how the different platforms, the comments were different. So, But overall, another discussion that was very popular this week and, and, and the audience loved it.
0: Oh, that's good. And there was a third game now, and I know these comments came in before – You know, Brock Purdy did his thing last night, kind of strengthening his cause. And I tried, I don't know if you heard, I tried to get Robert Mays to move off his spot. Hey, what if Brock Purdy goes all the way, just like Tom Brady, goes to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP? Do you uh, stick with Trey Lance? He said, yes. Now, I want to know what you all uh, think about that. Look, uh, as Natalie has said many times, and, and Mike has said it, I'll say it as well, we welcome the comments if you are checking us out, if you are consuming our content, engaging with us, uh, whether you agree or disagree, we appreciate it. So, uh, we always uh, we always love to hear from you. Thank you for watching Brother from Another today and this week. We will be back on Monday. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, Natalie, go ahead and eat that slice of pie. I will. And after you eat that slice, you're gonna want a full one from gary
4: carter maybe i'm never gonna think anyone's pies better than my mother just you so are tough
0: matters. tough credit <laughs> Dietz and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking not processing it means our virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection then twice baked to layer the flavors it takes more time but you can taste the difference We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.